Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. So this episode is another of our First Friday work sessions. If you've not come across First Friday sessions yet, the first Friday of every month between 12 and 1, that's Eastern Time, we will have a work session that talks about some leadership topic. And uh, we had around 40 people join us this last Friday for a conversation about resilience with my colleague, Lance Satterthwaite. And he talks about a number of things, including how to build your adaptability or ag- agility quotient, how to uh, move through Sarah more quickly, and you can discover more about Sarah shortly, uh, to stay balanced and how you stay balanced, and then also the Stockdale Paradox from Jim Collins, Good to Great. So here's Lance. I'm going to share out some ideas uh, around resiliency and specifically in the midst of challenging and changing times. And I thought I'd start with just if we could step back a little bit and think about our experience uh, here in the last couple of years. And if you think about, you know, really from March 2020, the pandemic beginning and as it went on even to today, and, and really here's uh, the question I want you thinking about is, how would you describe um, our world? Would you describe it over the last few years as something that is actually more stable, more chaotic, more predictable, or more volatile, um, simpler, more complex, and specific to the pace and the rate of change, is it happening slower or more rapidly, right? And if you're like many of the people we work with, uh, the experience of the last few years has definitely been <laughs> lots of chaos, lots of volatility, and you know, and it's looked like a lot of things in our professional worlds. Uh, for some people, it's been higher turnover and difficulty filling positions. Uh, for some, it's supply chain issues. Uh, for others, it's just the rate of change. It's like we're restructuring, our processes are, are changing, technology is changing, et cetera. And we all keep hearing this word recession uh, looking into 2023, right? And so there's just a lot happening in our worlds. And I say all of that not to paint a bleak picture on a Friday, uh, but to just say resiliency is probably more important now for you and your people uh, than maybe it ever has been. So I'm going to share a few thoughts with you specific to uh, resiliency. How many people, just show of hands, how many people have heard the term AQ? I'm sure you've heard IQ and maybe even EQ. So IQ and intelligence quotient, EQ, emotional intelligence. But there's a, a growing body of work for people to really think about and look at what is their AQ. And that really stands for adaptability and or agility quotient, right? And uh, we've heard words like, how quickly can people pivot? And so AQ is about how flexible are you versus how rigid are you, right? And are you ready for change? And I actually think that starts with a thought process. uh, And that thought process uh, really goes to this. And so we're going to do a little Rorschach ink block uh, test. And what are the first things that pop into your mind? When you hear just the word change, if I could give you just a moment to jot down, what's the initial uh, wording that comes to your mind, initial thoughts that come to your mind when you hear the word change? 
and jot that down on a piece of paper in front of you. Some are jotting down in the chat box. Uh, some fun. Oh no, erg, better <laughs> opportunity. Opportunity inevitable. How does it affect me? Awesome. So we look at that uh, that word list, and you see some of like oh no or oh sugar or whatever that is, and it's often you know sometimes people have this association with the word change that is actually very negative, and some people have it uh, as very positive. Uh, when I do this with groups a lot, a lot of the positive words I hear are things like innovation and opportunity and possibility where some of those more negative words are actually things like fear or resistance or failure and those sort of things. And I, I mention this because the good news is we can actually improve and get better at our AQ. And that actually starts with reframing our associations with words like change or crisis or uh, challenging times, right? We can alter our beliefs. And I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you of people who rate higher in AQ. Um, they they have a few beliefs, and one is that they understand change is going to forever happen. Right? It is it is one of the constants um, uh, that if you don't change, whether you become extinct or not, but it's like we have to keep changing in our world, right, uh, uh, to keep uh, relevant. If people believe that um, regardless of what comes your way, that's only 10% of the experience. The 90% is what happens in terms of how you actually respond to that, right? And, and that's a significant AQ thought process. Um, and, you know, we know the idea of when one door opens, uh, uh, you know, or when one door closes, another one opens. And so we see it as beginning, right? Not as just a concluding or an ending part. So I would just encourage you, Think about and spend a little bit of time thinking about your beliefs. Uh, does it match what's, uh, what those things are? And or maybe it's time to upgrade your own mental model and keep working and improving your own AQ. Second thing, uh, some of you have worked with us. Uh, you've heard the term Sarah, and I will explain what that is. Um, but I think people who are highly resilient, they work through the Sarah process much quicker. And so let me just frame this up and then I'll explain what Sarah is. Sarah is a model that we frequently use uh, with people just to help people understand their experience in dealing with difficult situations. Sometimes we use it uh, on a 360 when people get constructive feedback, but sometimes it's what people experience, say, when a uh, organizational change gets rolled out and your job's going to be impacted, right, uh, or your department is being restructured. You really don't have control of it, but it is going to impact your world. So Sarah is a natural process we all go through, and people with higher resiliency actually go through it quicker. And so what that really looks like is people who go through this process and get to that last acceptance part, uh, they recognize what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, and why they're feeling it. They're willing to actually openly, and I think a key word is vulnerably, actually go and talk with people about how they're being impacted, as well as trying to figure out how to move forward. They may replace questions like, why is this happening to me, to how am I going to deal with this, or how am I uh, going to make the best of this situation? So the people who are less resilient, they often get stuck in the SAR churn part of it, right? And they cycle through shock, anger, 
they reject uh, the change, et cetera. They resist it. And, you know, and again, every, my experience is everybody will walk through this and those who are more resilient uh, just get there quicker. And I just want to share one story uh, around that. So I worked at an organization where there was a change and, um, you know, a large part of the employee group, including myself, we didn't agree with the change. Um, and I remember one leader, uh, and it was a pretty good, well-respected leader, showed up to a meeting around that change. And here was his opening statement. We can spend today griping about the change, or we can spend today figuring out how we're going to make this change happen. And I will tell you, it was a dramatic shift, at least for me, I think for other people as well. At the time, I didn't know the Sarah model, but it's like his words moved us quickly to say, let's get to the acceptance part and figure out uh, how we want to go about doing this, right? So rather than being stuck and just complaining about why a change or a situation, it's really focused on going forward. And I just want to highlight in that particular story Resiliency can be contagious. So one strategy to become more resilient is surround yourself with resilient people, right? Uh, it can wear off. The third one I want to speak to is the idea of staying balanced. And again, if you look back through the initial chat of what people entered, uh, this really is what people are talking about. And imagine that there's uh, uh, four aspects of life, your work life, your social life, uh, self and self-care spiritual and that those are actually uh, four legs of a chair well if you're missing one of those legs you might be able to stay somewhat upright and balanced but uh, good luck once uh, two of those legs start moving, right it's hard to stay upright so the work part of it <clears throat> are you doing meaningful work achieving goals uh, creating financial health for you the social part of it is, are you investing in key relationships, right? And again, those can be professional, those can be personal relationships. And I think the key here is people are choosing connection versus isolation. And I know, uh, I think about that all the time in terms of the toughest experiences you go through. It's like, do you retreat or do you reach out to people? The idea of taking care of your uh, mind, body under that self, a lot of people I've probably heard terms like mindfulness practices, uh, you know, good eating, sleeping, exercising patterns, ways of managing stress. I can think of a time I was working with a group and we were just talking about stress management techniques and a person raised their hand and said, uh, I drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> it's like, yep, I get that's a stress management technique. And what we're really talking about is uh, healthy stress management techniques. So I hear people talk about things like, and we saw it in chat, listening to music, spending time with loved ones. And uh, one of the interesting ones people have mentioned to me is loved ones being uh, like their pets, like to have their dog or their cat nearby and just being able to like pet them, et cetera. They find that uh, 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 very helpful. Uh, I think the other part of that is just having hobbies and uh, having pastimes that you find relaxing, reading or crafting or anything like that. On the spiritual side of things, um, you know, for some people it is attending a church. For others, maybe it's just spending time out in nature. And one of the ones I love about the spiritual side uh, is helping other people, right? There is actually proven research and benefit. The more we actually help others, um, it's good for our soul and we find it relaxing. And the last one I'll mention there is practicing attitudes of gratitudes, 
right? Is despite all the stuff when, you know, things are going awry, it's like, can people appreciate and see a different picture or at least see the good uh, with the bad? The last strategy uh, I want to mention today is the Stockdale paradox. And uh, so what is that? And it's often, uh, and it's an add-on to the words, is somebody, quote, optimistic or are they pessimistic, right, uh, in their approach? So this actually comes out of a book uh, called Good to Great by Jim Collins. And um, he actually, uh, the author predicted people with more optimism uh, could survive tough situations. In this situation, uh, Admiral Stockdale was a prisoner of war. So probably one of the worst situations you can imagine uh, having to be resilient to. And so when he interviewed Admiral Stockdale, what Admiral Stockdale described is it wasn't the optimist, the pure optimist, nor the pure pessimist that survived. He said the pure optimist actually would say things like, hey, we're going to be out by Christmas, and Christmas would come and go. We're going to be out by Easter. Easter would come and go. And he said the pure optimist actually died of a broken heart. He also agreed the pessimists didn't survive, right? They gave up hope. And he said it's actually the realist. So the realist does two things at the same time. One, they never give up hope and faith that they're going to be successful or prevail. And at the same time, they recognize uh, the reality of the situation, right? And I think the beauty of that is it actually helps people embrace uh, what I would say is the good, the bad, and the ugly of life situations and challenges, right? And so it's not to beat uh, to recognize the bad stuff around beating you down, you maintain hope and faith, but you don't bury your head in the sand. And so I actually think people who live the Stockdale are able to do, uh, you know, focus on the right things. And those are the things that we actually can control. I personally love the phrase, don't dig the well when you're thirsty, right? So don't dig the well when you're thirsty. And again, I think living the Stockdale paradox <clears throat> is people proactively. Uh, prepare for tough times, right? And so, um, and so, it's not that they're stuck and focused only on the doom and gloom. Uh, you know, in other words, they can see the clouds, they can see the sunshine, they see the the entire picture. And as the saying goes, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? And so, resilient people—they're not lucky. What they are is they are well prepared. Those are at least four strategies uh, I want to share with you. And uh, I just want to say, as I wrap up uh, this segment, I initially framed, you know, the work world as being, uh, you know, somewhat chaotic and volatile, et cetera. And that's not to mention the things in our personal lives. So in our personal lives, I'm sure there's times where we're each having to navigate, whether it's difficult relationships or deal with a you know, significant physical or maybe even a mental health challenge for either ourselves or loved ones, uh, and maybe even experience the loss of a loved one. And so many of our clients that we've worked with has found a lot of help and support uh, with this content material, both on the professional side as well as personal. And I will tell you personally, uh, I can attest to its value as well. So I want to just leave you uh, with these wise words. Um, and so Nelson Mandela once said, don't judge me by success, my success. Judge me about how many times I fell down and got back up again. So that was Lance. 
And uh, thank you, Lance, for that. And um, if we find any more about a good assessment for an agility quotient, which is one of the questions we got asked in the first Friday session, we will put make sure that comes out and uh, and gets out on the various formats that we have. If you uh, want more about Sarah, then there's uh, blog articles and uh, an episode of the podcast about Sarah that uh, goes into more detail as well. Uh, the balance chair that he discussed is a another tool that there's a podcast episode about that goes into more detail. And then uh, the Stockdale Paradox from Jim Collins, Good to Great. It's one of the books that I would highly recommend any leader read is uh, Good to Great. It's a little bit dated now in terms of some of the examples, but uh, um, it's still proven out uh, the thinking behind it. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for joining us. Remember to uh, like and subscribe. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy. Mm-hmm.